Hey, this is Steve Balton. You are here on My Turning Point for a special holiday-themed edition with Lindsay Sterling. Really fun conversation with her about her favorite Christmas music, Christmas caroling as a kid, her dream gifts, and a lot more. Really enjoyed this conversation and fun way to pay tribute to the holidays this year and bring a little holiday cheer to a year that really needs it. So hope you enjoyed this conversation with Lindsay Sterling as much as we did. Thanks. Yeah, well, we're starting with the sort of turning point Christmas moment. So it's funny. I just did this with Pentatonics. What, what's yeah. your favorite Christmas memory as a kid? Or favorite uh, Christmas memory, period? Favorite Christmas memory. Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, I uh, <laughs> when I was like in my young teens, well, my family always went Christmas caroling. That was something we do every year. We'd make cookies and then we would go like door to door to our friends' houses and we'd sing for them and um, give them cookies. I didn't realize that that was kind of a unique thing. I thought that Christmas caroling was something that like everybody did. Um, but when I was a teenager, we started to do, um, you know, I had the idea that we should do more of a family lip sync type situation. And so I like choreographed these little numbers and my family, bless their hearts. They, you know, learned my choreography. And then we'd go door to door to our friends and neighbors and do these like family lip syncs to like, all I want for Christmas is you. And I remember one of my sisters just being so embarrassed the whole time, but you know, she still did it. And, you know, it's just a really funny memory that I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that my family always game to do this and like jump around the neighborhood with me. Like, I don't know, such a funny time. (laughs) All right. So it was this older or younger sister who was embarrassed. My younger sister, I always joke that she's my younger, older sister, though, because she's so much more mature than me. She's like an old soul <laughs> and always has been so much wiser than me. And just um, so, yeah, she <laughs> it was my younger, older sister that was embarrassed. <laughs> all right. So wait now, besides All I Want for Christmas, what other songs did you do? Um, oh, man, I'm trying to remember. I mean, I think we did that one like two years in a row. And then I think we switched to like a Michael Buble song, which I can't even remember which one, but I love his Christmas album. So we definitely did a, a more slower Michael Buble number. But um, yeah, all I want for Christmas was, it was just such a jam, you know? <laughs> all right. Now, this is an important question. Have you ever busted out that choreography for any of the uh, holiday specials? Or, or would you bust it out for this special? You know what? I really wish I could, but sadly, I don't think we ever taped the fantastic choreography I did. Um, And to be honest, I could never remember it now. Um, But I will say something fun is I actually did take that idea from my childhood and it is incorporated in the Christmas special because we contacted... um, well, we surprised several fans and went to their lawns and did choreographed Christmas routines on their, like right in front of their houses. And we like wore masks. We stayed, you know, we were basically on the the driveway doing these like, you know, full theatrical routines with like a band and, um, you know, dancers and props and really surprised them. It was so magical and so fun. And again, the whole idea came from that memory of doing it as a kid. All right, so so how many houses did you go to? And, and it's funny, how how close to the choreography from childhood is it? Do you remember? <laughs> oh, it's nothing like the childhood choreography. Thank heavens. Let me just tell you. Now I'm blessed enough to be able to work with like amazing choreographers and incredible dancers, and you know the choreography that I made for my family at like you know 13 years old. I'm not a dancer. I wasn't a dancer then. So um, 
you know, it had to have been pretty bad. <laughs> I wish I had a tape of it somewhere because I can, I would laugh so hard just watching, you know, my dad and my mom doing these, you know, awkward movements that I made up. So yes, it was nothing like the choreography, but the concept, the magical concept was the most important. <laughs> uh, now, important question as well. Now that you actually have professional choreography and nothing to be embarrassed about, did you invite your sister? Oh, to be a part of it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should have. I should have been like, Brooke, this is your chance. This is your chance to redo our, you know, our Christmas experience. Um, you know, she is actually having her baby right now. So she was not, you know, practically nine months pregnant at the time. So that would have made it even better if she had been there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the older, younger sister is having the baby. I got it. She is. Yeah. Like literally right now I have my phone. I'm like ready for text messages of like the baby's here. <laughs> uh, so now, by the way, what songs did you carol as well? We did Let It Snow, which is one of my, it's one of my favorite songs, like choreography wise to do in the show. It's really cute. We have these little umbrellas that the umbrellas have snow inside of them. So it snows under the umbrella instead of, it's like the opposite concept, the, the umbrella snows rather than blocking the snow. So yeah, we did that on the people's front lawns and it was really like just seeing, you know, I haven't performed in front of fans in a year now. And so seeing like a fan reaction, not only are they like at a, you know, like a show, but they were surprised and walk out onto the yard and they're like, oh my gosh, I think that's Lindsay Sterling, you know, because we made sure we found people that were actual fans. So they weren't like, get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> Who the heck are you? <laughs> That would have actually made for some really funny footage, though. I know. We actually, you know, we just ran out of time. We were going to try to get some people that were going to be like, who's like, who's this? Because I don't know. I'm all about the humor and like leaning into being self-aware that like there's a lot of people who have no idea who I am and they would probably be like kind of freaked out. Um, but yeah, we ran out of time. Well, I'm sure it'll be a great special anyway. It's so funny for you. I mean, because it's like, you know, it, the Pentatonix album is called... Uh, what we need for Christmas, right? Or what we need is we all need a little Christmas. And it's, I mean, look, this year, I feel like, you know, as you've talked about in the press release, part of the idea for doing the special is that simply people just need cheering up. There's a lot of people who are not going home for holidays. A lot of people who, you know, who for the first time are not seeing their family and sometimes. So talk about for you sort of the impetus for the special and the idea behind it and, and that importance of being able to, you know, use your position to cheer people up and, you know, <laughs> let's face it, when you're wearing everybody needs a lot of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had several goals with making the Christmas special and it's why I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't care what anybody says. I have to do this. You know, one was that I knew that this Christmas is going to be really hard for a lot of people. You said it perfectly. And I wanted to have some way to like cheer up my fans, my little corner of the internet, my corner of the world. I felt like I could cheer some people up. Um, secondly, it was not easy to like tell my entire crew and my dancers and my music, my band, like, I'm so sorry, but we're canceling everything. Obviously they understand that's the way, that's the reality, but that's not an easy thing to do as someone who employs people. And so I had been really brainstorming and thinking, how can I, you know, brighten the spirits of my crew and my, these people are like family to me at this point. We've toured together, some of us for eight years and so I was like, oh, I want, I want my tour family to be safe and happy. And so, you know, wanting to give them an opportunity to, to be creative and, and dance. And, um, and then also myself, I needed something to pour my heart into, you know, it's like, it's, it's really hard as an artist that, you know, when you feel like you have nothing to create. So I was like, 
we're doing this. And I actually tried really hard to at first sell the show because it was not cheap to make, you know, to employ an entire crew of people for, um, you know, a given amount of time and all the, everything that goes around it. So I was really trying to sell it to like a network or something. And, but this is a very Lindsay Sterling thing about me is I couldn't sell it. And, you know, so I was like, well, I, I don't care. So I'll, I'll do it myself. I'll fund it myself. I'll, I'll produce it myself. I'll, you know, do everything. And, um, anyways, after like literally working over 16 hour days for three months straight, it's almost it's pretty much done. <laughs> nice. So premieres on the 12th. Now, will people be able to see it after that? Like what's the sort of plan for it? Or is it a one time only thing? Like what's the sort of. Yeah, there it airs on the 12th and there's like a showtime. Um, there's one for Europe and then there's one for this side of the world. And um, so you can watch it at the showtime if you want to like feel like you're a part of the live event. But then you have like a 48 hour rental of it. So you can if you don't want to watch it at the airtime, you can watch it the next day or the next day. It's interesting. I mean, for you, as you started to take it on, how did you do, approach it differently? Because obviously when you're doing it in the house, you know, like when you're doing it in the house, like I think back to the Metallica one, which I really enjoyed. And some of them have been really good this year and some have gone for a more traditional approach. But the Metallica one, what they did was they put all these fans like digitally on the wall who could ask them questions cool. and interact. And it's like, yeah, because the thing is, again, dude, you're never, I don't care how small a venue Metallica plays, you're not going to get to ask them about the song in between songs. So you yeah. do have some liberties at home. And it's funny just reading the press release where you talk about the fact that you get like the best seat in the house because, you know, people are basically watching from comfort and they're getting to experience it in their own way. So yeah. how did you, were there things that you brought into it differently to allow, you know, the fact that, okay, people will not get this opportunity again. When people come see you, hopefully in 2021, they're not going to get the same <laughs> level of, in Yeah. Yeah, well, there is nothing like being in a live performance. You know, that feeling you get, the energy, you cannot capture that on film, no matter what you do. So I didn't try to do, like, a live show, trying to, like, convey that energy. I decided I would really lean into the medium I had, which is film, you know, which is the ability to film it and curate it so that you're making it, like, this experience that is seen through something that's, you know, this big, you know, a screen, um, which creates a very different type of energy. And so, yeah, rather than just being like, it's a live show and we're going to film it. I was like, no, we're going to do all kinds of things that I could never do on tour. And so I got to like, go back into like all these old ideas that were shut down on previous tours. Cause it's like, Lindsay, those props are too big. Oh, Lindsay, those those costumes will fall apart on a tour, you know, like, Oh, Lindsay, that will never be able to be put up and down in one day, all kinds of things like that, that just aren't possible in a live show. We did. And it makes it so that this is something you could never see unless you were viewing it in this way. So it makes it really special. It does, you know, it's a different animal than just the live show. And, um, I think people are going to be quite shocked at some of the things we do. Um, one thing, when does this come out? When does this come out? Uh, next week before the, before the show. All right. Well, so I'll, I'll say it here then. <laughs> um, I haven't revealed this yet to anyone. So you're the first to hear. Um, I did something I've never done before in the show. And again, this is something I don't think I could ever do in tour. Um, I spent two and a half months learning the art of hair hanging through COVID, which is where you, you actually learn how to braid your hair in a certain way so that you hang from it like an aerial artist, but instead of harnesses and straps, like you're hanging by your hair. Um, and I practiced that for two wow. months and, and I learned a routine. I taught myself a routine. And so in the show, um, 
I do a hair hanging, a full song, four minute song hanging by my hair. And, um, and anyways, it's really, I'm so excited for people to see it. Something I worked super hard on. And again, I just wanted to make this something that is unlike anything they've ever seen before. Um, no one in the world has ever done that played a violin and hung by their hair. And, um, anyways, I thought just lots of things that I think people will be really shocked about. Well, I think that's one of the cool things though, that's existed. I've talked about this with so many artists this year is that, you know, you have opportunities, you being every artist has opportunities to mm -hmm. learn different skills and do different things. And a lot of artists have talked about the fact they find a creative freedom. So, I mean, it's funny because it's like, you know, whether it's g Easy covering a Bob Dylan song, which he never would have done before, or you right. hanging by your hair or Mike Shinoda <laughs> doing an instrumental Twitch album, you know, it's right. like, they're all different skills and things that you bring into it. So it's interesting for you. What have been the favorite things that you have done? And then for you, how much fun has it been to be able to incorporate these new things that you did in COVID to an actual performance? Oh man, it has been a little bit liberating to like kind of have the permission to just try new things that never in my life would I've ever had time to spend two months with the kind of rigorous training it, it took to learn to like hang by my hair. And I know it sounds really weird and it's like, why would anybody do that? But it's actually really beautiful <laughs> when you do it once I got it right. Um, but um, that's funny though. Cause I don't, I, I mean, sorry, not to get you up, but I was just gonna say when I think of yeah. like Cirque du Soleil and stuff like that, it doesn't feel weird, you know, right. well, that's where I saw it. it. But yeah. Yeah, I saw it at a Cirque show, like probably a year and a half ago. And I remember just, it was one of the most beautiful, breathtaking things I've ever seen. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I've always wanted to try aerial work with a violin, but I could never figure out how to do it because I can't use my arms. My arms are contained by playing an instrument. Um, but when I saw that, I thought to myself, oh, that I could do because your arms and your weight is suspended from here. Your arms are free. So, um, so yeah, that's where I got the idea. And, um, and I had no idea how painful it would be. I mean, it's like, obviously it would be painful, but when you see it done so well, all it looks like it's beauty and you don't realize that it's like excruciating, but yes, having the time to like really invest into something. And in a way it gave me an extra amount of confidence and reminded me that I can do really hard things, which I think sometimes as humans, we have to make ourselves uncomfortable. We have to stretch ourselves um, especially in a time like where I was kind of mentally when I started doing it, I was like feeling that a lot had been taken from me and I felt a little bit out of control of, you know, a lot of things. And this gave me a sense of like, yes, even through hard things, we can find beauty, even through pain, we can find, um, achievement and, um, yeah, freak, I can do hard things. Cause I did that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. So then it's, that's another interesting thing. I, you know, I've talked about with artists too, is the idea of how you're going to take things that you've done this time that you never would have done and then incorporate them going forward, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously there's a practical thing like the hair hanging, which maybe you'll do that then when you can play live again. I don't know. But I mean, there's also just the sort of liberating things that you talk about. And I mean, being able to write differently and play differently, like yeah. do you feel things that you've done, even for the special that you'll use going into touring going forward? You know, I think that, um, I mean, I definitely, like, I've worked on producing a little bit more. Oh, gosh, I got to sneeze. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. Oh, it went away. Okay. But I, you know, I've worked on <laughs> producing a little bit more, which is much more practical <laughs> skills, you know, set than um, hanging by your hair. But, um, you know, so there are quite a few things that have just helped me be even more DIY 
and self-sufficient that I will definitely take into the future, into writing or into, you know, just, um, you know, creating ideas for the future. Uh, and, but I think the biggest thing I've taken away is just this resilience that it reminded me that I had. Cause I remember when I first started my career, gosh, I was so resilient. It didn't matter what anyone told me. I knew I could do it. I knew that I could do things and I didn't doubt myself. And I was like pretty, I had a lot of grit. Like I would fall down over and over and over again and I'd get back up. And I feel like after, I don't know, gaining a lot of fans and after having now like management company that really like believes in me and all these like people that kind of support me all the time. It's almost like that muscle of self resilience and grit in myself has like gotten kind of weaker. And I've realized, Oh my gosh, I doubt myself a lot more than I did when I was starting. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm not quite as gung ho as I used to be and going through COVID, having all this stuff taken, having to really start from the ground up again and reinvent how I do things and having to face like, can I do this thoughts all the time has made me realize how strong I actually am. We all are, you know, we all have that within us. We just kind of get a little soft inside sometimes. And so I think that is one of my biggest takeaways that I've like relearned this year is just a lot of self practices of like over and over again, I can do this. I'm not going to doubt myself, like purposely deciding not to doubt myself and that I'm going to move forward with whatever it is, whether it's a Christmas show, whether it's hanging by my hair or whether it's like just believing that I still have what it takes. (laughs) That's so interesting to me, though, that I mean, because it's funny, I feel like for most people, you get more confident as you get older. So do you think, why do you think it was that you had gotten to doubt yourself more, you know, versus, because like I say, I think that, you know, again, it's just typically as you get older, and I think it also comes from as you get older, just honestly not giving a fuck. (laughs) I think that that's how it is for probably a lot of, probably most people, but I will say a lot of artists, because I've kind of, I start to open up about this to like artist friends and, you know, people I trust who are, you know, performers or musicians. And a lot of people that do face that pressure in like spotlight situations as little or as big as those spotlights are, a lot of performers and artists share the same mentality that as the more successful they get, almost the more insecure they get. You would think it would be the opposite, but I really do think that it's because you start to be supported by all these like, I love you comments and you're amazing. And people telling you all the time that you're great, that you stop exercising that within yourself to like, when I was in the beginning, nobody was telling me I was great. No one was telling me you're so wonderful or you're talented. Like everybody was kind of like, uh, and so I had to exercise it within my own little heart and mind. Like I can do this. I can do this. And so it's so much stronger if it comes from within than if it comes from external but the external can be a really nice mask that kind of supports you subtly. And then the moment it's gone, the moment that people aren't supporting you, aren't saying you're amazing. And the moment the noise stops for a second, you realize like, Oh my gosh, there's actually no core in here. That's holding me up. And I, and I don't think that's just a me thing that happens. I think to a lot of at least artists. Well, it's funny because I mean, okay, so you're my third interview of the day. I started with you two then pentatonics and then I go to Noah Cyrus at five o'clock. So, I mean, I talk to a shit ton of artists and I don't think you're wrong, but it's interesting because I think that maybe it's something when you're dealing with the fame for the first time or when you first have the first levels of success. And then as you get older to like you two level, then you are just like, you reach that point where you just don't give a fuck because you know, you you're at that age where it's different, but it's interesting too, because I mean, it doesn't surprise, you know, I mean, fame is such a fuck. It, it's just such a difficult, dangerous thing, you know, 
And, and I talk about this with people all the time. When you have everybody giving you everything you want all the time, of course, it's going to sort of take away your core because it's like everyone tells you you're great. You start to, if, especially if you're not old enough yeah. to know, you know. So it's mm-hmm. interesting for you as talk about, you know, how you've sort of started to learn to balance that importance of the internal core versus everybody around you telling you, oh, yeah, you're great. You can do no wrong. You're wonderful. Oh, we love you. Even when, mm-hmm. you know, as an artist, you make a track that you're like, this is shit, you know, because yeah. <laughs> it happens to everybody. Absolutely. <laughs> you're like, oh, this is not, you know, and then you have the people who are like, you know, it's funny because then you only learn to trust as well. The people who will actually tell you, nah, this is, it's not your best. Yeah. Yeah. No, you really learn to appreciate those people. Like no one wants to be, maybe some people want it, but they don't actually want to be surrounded by yes men. Like, the best friends yeah. in life, the best coworkers in life, the best like relationships you ever have with the people that will honestly tell you like, Hey, that's not great. Or, Hey, you got a booger in your nose. Go fix it. You know, <laughs> those are the kind of people you need around you. All right. So for you, you know, and especially cause it sounds like this has been a takeaway for this year. Talk about how then you'll be able to balance both of those and what you've learned from it. Cause look, obviously, like you say, it's also nice to have the support. You know, of course you want the external support, but understanding that, you know, that, okay, maybe not all of it is legitimate and you have to balance, you know, or even if it is legitimate, it's still important to rely on yourself first. Absolutely. No, for sure. And I think that for me, that comes from, um, spirituality. It comes from connecting with like, you know, I have such a strong belief in like a higher power and a God and angels and like, you know, relying and resting on those beliefs and realizing that that's my foundation. My other part of my foundation is my family, realizing that that is like a hundred percent the most important. And that no matter what, you know, my relationships in life, those close friends, you know, the people that are my actual family or the people I've adopted as my family in life, you know, um, as long as those core elements of my life are like there, then I think, you know, I'm okay. Yeah. No, it's interesting too, because I think, again, it's also, I've talked about this with artists, right? Like, excuse me, like the Pentatonix guys and I were talking about, you know, (laughs) you also, this is like the most time they've spent at home in 10 years. So when you have time at home, you have time to think about things that very simply when you're on the road, you never have time to think about this stuff. Yeah. So has that been the case for you where you've realized a lot of the stuff that you hadn't thought about in years because you simply didn't have the time to think about it. You, the, things never slowed down enough to sit and think about, oh, okay, wait, my core had gotten weaker or like I need to rebuild my core, whatever. Definitely. Yeah. Time to realize like, oh my gosh, I doubt myself a lot. Time to actually listen to the voices that are in my mind. What are they saying? You know, like, how do I actually feel about myself? Oh gosh. Like, you know, like it's really been a great time to like hone in on my own mental health, seeing where it's actually at. Um, and, uh, also it's been really interesting. I love to work. I do. And it's because I, I, I love creating and I, I thrive on it. I'll work. I I'm just such a workaholic sometimes because I love what I do. And I've always thought that I didn't like to sit still, that I, I didn't like watching TV or I didn't like any of that. Um, but this pandemic, you know, gave me so much downtime in the beginning that I realized for the first time, oh yeah, I love to work. I also like to be still. I like to sit on the couch and watch the great British baking show. Who knew? Um, and I think it's because there's always been so much shame attached to sitting and being, you know, having idle time to me meant like, oh, my, my um, self-worth was too attached to work. And so 
it all came down to the fact that I didn't enjoy it because I was constantly shaming myself for it, being like, you should be doing something. This is not good. Um, and self-shame is such an interesting thing because it can like really overrule what we actually need, what we actually want, how we actually feel. And, you know, once the whole world was having some idle time, it was okay. And yeah, so I learned a lot about like, oh, I actually do enjoy <laughs> certain things that I didn't ever think I did. I never let myself think I could possibly enjoy. Well, I think that's been a big thing for everyone is again, like you've had to totally change. Like, for example, for me, I live in Long Beach, but I would drive to LA every day for, to do interviews. And now everything mm -hmm. is done via Zoom. And oh my God, my quality of life is so much better because I'm not spending four <laughs> freaking hours in the car every day. So yeah. you have to get to do stuff to find for yourself. So it's been really interesting to see for people how you kind of the things that the lifestyle changes that were forced upon you. So it's interesting though for you, what are one or two that you think will apply to you going forward when you can go back to work and, and maybe it'll be watching more of the great British Bake Off, but you know, are there <laughs> other things as well? You know, I think that, um, I think balance, a little more balance in my life has actually been really nice. It's made me feel more efficient in what I do. It's made me happier. Um, I definitely think, I mean, I've always made time for family, but I'm like, I think I'm just going to even more so take breaks to be with family, you know, because really like what else is more important than giving back in certain ways and family? Like other than that, you're like, gosh, you know, what's, what's the point of it all if we don't have someone to share like everything with. Um, and so I think that's been also um, seeing a lot of the, hardship and the pain in the world has been overwhelming. And, you know, I think for anyone who's an empath, it's been like consuming. And I've, um, I've had some really cool opportunities to give back in some, some ways. And to me, again, it's like, if you're not giving back, what's the point of having anything? And I've been re-reminded of that. It's always been an important thing for me, but even more so this year, um, having pain thrust in your face all over social media and all over everything. It's just made you realize like, gosh, we need to help out. We need to help each other. And that is an attitude that I will, I'm going to refuse to lose the fact that we got to help each other. We got to stop judging each other and hating on each other. Like what's the point if we don't love and give? <laughs> yeah, no, it makes total sense. Now uh, I won't keep you much longer because part of the reason I've been laughing when we're doing this is because my dog, I <gasps> constantly like, cause this is my third interview this morning and he's just like, motherfucker, I've got to go to the bathroom. Oh so, my gosh. I don't know if you can see him over there. I can. <laughs> what kind of dog is that? And he's, just like, he's a lab pit rescue. And it's so funny because he is just giving me the dirtiest look of like, dude, I've got to go. So, but now this being said, I'm curious since, you know, again, a lot of people, and it's funny because I talked to the Pentatonics guys about this as well, because obviously they're Christmas related as well. The favorite mm -hmm. Christmas movies and favorite Christmas specials. And so for you, but what else have you been watching this year? And what's, what are the classic Christmas movies to go back to? Oh man. My favorite is it's a wonderful life. I love Jimmy Stewart so much as an actor. He, and the, his character in that movie always makes me think of my dad. Like he is like, I don't know. He's my dad. And so when I watch that movie, I feel like I'm seeing my dad from my childhood. Uh, my childhood memories love my father. Um, and then uh, I love White Christmas. I love, you know, the dancing in it is so good. I love those like old classic ones. Those have my heart for sure. So those are my favorites. Um, favorite Christmas special. Um, I actually really loved um, Casey Musgraves Christmas special last year. I thought it was fantastic. I was so blown away by the production value. Of it. So that's one of my favorite Christmas specials. 
nice. And what other shows did you watch this year when you have time to watch it that, you know, no one actually had time to do before? Oh gosh. Um, what else have I watched? Um, I am like t- 10 years behind. Like I said, I just really never watched TV. <laughs> I started Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> That'll keep you busy for the next twenty. That'll keep you busy for the next twenty-two years. I think there's like seventy-six seasons of that now. So yeah, I think so. And yeah, I'm just like, hey, have you heard of this show, Grey's Anatomy? Yeah, I'm way behind. Um, but I've enjoyed watching Grey's Anatomy for the first time ever. Um, Queen's Gambit was incredible. So like I said, I've like watched so many shows. Um, and I'm trying to think of anything else. But yeah, those are probably some of my tops. All right. Now it's funny because I'll, I'll ask you then if you could create music for one TV show that you watched this year, what would it be and why? TV show um gosh it would be um I want to create for um one of those mystical magical ones you know I mean just that I feel like that fits my brand um I think I haven't even watched it yet except for the trailer but his dark materials looks really good and looks right up my alley as the kind of aesthetic I like to make and I would love to I actually played on the um theme song for it but I didn't get to write it I just like played on it but um yeah, I want to, I would love to create something original for that. Nice. All right. Last couple of questions, but one Christmas question. What was your favorite gift as a kid? Oh my gosh. That one, that I... one Christmas toy. It's funny because we were just talking about this, right? I think <laughs> about, you know, um, Christmas Story, which I love that movie. Red Rider BB gun. So what was so your Red Rider BB gun growing up? So the T.Y. Beanie Baby craze. I don't know if you remember that, but I bet you do. Um, yeah. I was a fanatic. Like I loved the Beanie Baby craze and I like had a poster on my wall of all the Beanie Babies and what they were worth and which ones were retired and which ones weren't and which ones were coming. Like, I mean, I was like a, like a fanatic about it, like weird kid. (laughs) And the best thing is that I was like slightly too old to be that fanatical. Like I was, I think 12 years old. So I was like a preteen, like obsessed with Beanie Babies. And like I would make costumes for them. Like, I mean, I went all out on the Beanie Baby craze. So my mom and dad got me and my little sister, my older little sister, um, a bunch of Beanie Babies. And I just remember like opening up these individual Beanie Babies that were all in this big box. And just, we were just like screaming. We were so excited. And again, so funny because I'm like 12 years old, like freaking out over these little beaned characters. So, so funny, but that was by far the like best Christmas <laughs> ever for me. <laughs> nice. Uh, and by the way, too, I want to ask you about the performance with Darius uh, at the CMA Country Christmas or whatever it was, CMA Christmas. I can't yeah. terrible titles, but I absolutely love him. He's awesome. And it's so interesting because, I mean, look, you know, as an artist, you're luck- blessed, lucky. I couldn't figure out which word to say. Lucky, blessed, whatever it is, to get to perform with so many different people. You know, and, and the thing is, as an artist, when you get to work with different people, you see their styles, you learn from them, you pick up different things. I'm curious, you know, are there artists that you've worked with that you really have either learned a lot from, or it's funny, going back to what we were talking about earlier, about the sort of doubts as an artist and you talking about it with people, are there people that you really look to or admire for the way that they've handled things and they sort of become role models? Gosh, um, absolutely. I'm trying to think of like specific instances, but I feel like you glean something um, from every single person you work with, whether it's a good thing or a, ooh, don't want to do that. You know, like you've learned something from everyone. And um, I will say I worked with Celine Dion. Uh, We performed, we did an arrangement together and then we performed at the Billboard Awards together three, four, probably like four years ago. And one, she was so classy and so kind and just like regally, like she has a presence about her. But the thing that 
the most impacted me was my mom was there with me when I performed with her. And so like I introduced her to Celine, you know, and then the next year at the billboard awards, again, my mom was with me and had become like a tradition. She was always my date to the billboards and Celine Dion is backstage. And I thought, you know, she's walking towards us and I thought there's no way she would remember me. Like from a year ago, she's Celine Dion and works with everybody. And yet she walked up to me and she remembered my name and she said, how great was it that we got to play together last year? And just her interest in me and my, the way she was so kind and turned to my mother and like, you know, talked to my mom. I don't know, just that goes a really long way when like an A-list star icon takes the time to remember the people that they pass in life. And I don't know, that was something that really impacted me. I really, you know, it's, it's hard. I really try my best to, to remember and to like sit in the situations I'm in, no matter how overwhelming they are. And like, see what I'm actually experiencing so I can be like Celine Dion and I can remember and, you know, make people, she made me feel so special. And I think that's a really amazing gift. Yeah, no, that's very cool. So it's interesting too. I mean, it's funny because then you take this back to the Christmas special, you know, and it's like, it kind of, in a way is like, you know, you, when you look at how these things impact you and then in a way, do you feel like it's a similar thing to what you're doing when you show up at fans houses and you surprise them? Where it's like, okay, because it's like, again, if they're, you're a fan of someone, it allows you to think of like, okay, you know, this is like, again, they're showing interest in me. They care. Absolutely. Like everybody just wants to be seen, you know, like every single person just, we have a need to feel seen and that makes us feel important, you know? And, um, I think that's one of my favorite things about being an artist is, you know, I'm not. I'm never going to be the biggest artist in the world, but it doesn't matter. Like I have this amazing gift that for the people that do like my music and that follow me, I have a really special ability to like in a moment, make them feel very seen and, you know, and have like a really special moment with someone merely by showing up. And I'm, I'm very grateful to that, that I can have these connecting really special moments with people by just, yeah, showing up and making them feel seen because the people have done it for me. Our last question, but now for you going back to being a kid, yeah. who would have been the dream artist to show up caroling on your lawn? Avril Lavigne. <laughs> I like that you have to think about that. Oh my gosh. I was such an Avril fan when I was like a young teenager. Oh, I wanted to be Avril. She was so cool. She still is so cool. <laughs> All right. So what song of hers would you have wanted to see her do? Um, Christmas or not, I wanted, I would have wanted her to sing Skater Boy for sure. Uh, cool. What do you want to add we did not talk about? Um, well, I just want to say thank you for your time. This was a great, really enjoyable interview, and I hope you have a wonderful Christmas um, with whoever you're with, with your dog and whoever else. Thanks, you too. And, and you know, uh, it's funny because I keep monitoring, so I haven't really seen you reach for the phone, or so I assume no baby update yet. Oh, I don't think so. Not baby update. I'll probably call her right after this. All right, cool. I'll let you go call her because obviously it's a big deal. So, cool. Have a good one. Nice talking to you. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is Steve Balton. You've been here on My Turning Point with Lindsay Sterling. Thanks.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.